What's going on, guys? In this podcast, I'm going to discuss basically a little bit of the off-season um, schedule that you should expect kind of uh, as it pertains to the business aspects of NFL front officing and uh, stuff like that. So what I mean by that is there are – so right now when I'm looking at – and I'm just about to make a post on Instagram about this, but I, um, the cap space leaders, teams with the most cap space, right now – You've got the Jacksonville Jaguars at one with 77.5 million. You've got the Colts at two with 69.2. I'm going to round up here ever so slightly. Um, the Jets at three with 60, uh, basically 68. The Patriots at four with 62.8. The Washington football team at five with only 39.6. So you see the jump there. It goes 77, 69, 67, 63, and then down to 39.6 million for Washington. The Bengals at 37.8 million are next. Denver Broncos are next after that. And that is the seven teams that have over 30 million in cap space as it stands currently. Now, there are about at least a dozen other teams that it may not have it right now, but pretty close. They'll they will have over 30 million or over 25 million around there in about, I'd say, two to four weeks, right? We will see that. And the reason we will see that. And even these teams that I just mentioned that already have over 30, we'll see them. The Jaguars might get close to 100. Who knows? You know, I'm going to go through each team eventually. And uh, with you guys' help um, of uh, the, all the needs and things you sent me, all the information about your teams that you sent me. So if you haven't sent me information on the team, please do, because I will use all of that information when I when I make my basically my per team podcast this offseason in terms of a plan for them, offseason plan, things like that. But the Jaguars could easily have 100 million by the time free agency gets here. You know, I'm just that's just the truth. Like there could be a couple of different guys they want to release or trade or whatever and they and they could get down there. But here is the things to monitor. So you will hear Ian Rapoport and Adam Schefter over the next few weeks and maybe even months, you'll hear about team uh situations where a player um had some money converted to a signing bonus, so that means his base salary, his his uh Paragraph five in his contract was large enough that they could take. So if you have a $20 million base salary that you're due to make in 2021, and you are a guy that we know as a as the team, right? We know we want to keep you for at least the next three, four, five years, or however long your contract is. I might go to you and say, hey man, instead of getting $20 million over one one seventeenth increments over the regular season, how would you like? 12 million dollars right now and then i'll just get you know we'll take that out of your base salary so instead of us paying you a 20 million dollar base salary we'll pay you a eight million dollar base salary right because we're taking 12 and we're converting it to signing bonus and then we will um we'll give you that money up front and it will uh basically it'll alleviate cap space for us so so Players are never going to say no to that because why would they would not want the money right now? It's like, hey, if your boss came to you and said, hey, look, um, you know, I know you make a thousand bucks a week or five hundred bucks a week or whatever it is, but what about if I just give you four thousand dollars for the entire month? Would that would that be okay with you? Like, you're you're probably going to say, yeah. I mean, it, there you know there may be rare instances where it might not be beneficial for you, but I think in large part we're all going to say yes. So what that's called is restructuring a deal restructuring right when you're not you're not uh asking to take a pay cut a restructure is just like hey we're gonna give you the same amount of money or more in some cases and we're gonna 
you know, just give it to you in a different way so it alleviates cap space on our end. Because as we know from the recent podcast that, that I've been getting into this stuff, and I'll just reiterate it real quick here, when I do that, if I give you a $10 million signing bonus and we can spread that out over four years of the deal, that's $2.5 million per season, right? So the player receives that money up front, but the the team, as far as they're concerned, they now get to take $10 million and spread that out over four years as it pertains to the cap. So just want to touch on that real quick in case you just you guys are just joining me in the podcast. But um, anyway, so that's a restructure, and that's one of the one of the very common things you'll do. But in order to, to restructure a guy, in order for the team to feel comfortable restructuring a guy's contract, they have to know or they have to feel very comfortable in the fact that they are going to keep that player, right? Because that gives you that gives the guy more guaranteed money. So whatever you whatever his initial guaranteed at signing money was, well, now you've just effectively guaranteed more of it because you just took out a certain amount of base salary and turned it into. And sometimes it's not just for, you know, the 2021 season. Like you can take out, you can do a certain amount from any season in the in the in the life of the deal. So it really um the team has when teams do that, that means they're committed to that player for the long run, or at least for the life of that contract, right? Okay, so that's restructure. Then, of course, they will ask guys to take a pay cut. And this is something you will see a ton of, especially right now. You're going to hear about, I think the Vikings just did it with Riley Reef, I believe, right? They, I don't know exactly the terms of that deal. I just saw it pop up on Twitter. I was doing something else, so I didn't have time to really pay any attention to it. But the point is, you're going to see this a lot, okay? You're going to see a guy that's making... $8 million this year, the team's like, you know what? You're not that good. We don't, we're not satisfied with how much we're paying you. Um, would you be interested, excuse me, would you be interested in, instead of making 8 million, would you be interested in making 4.5 million? You know, so roughly half of it. And the players either going to, the player then has to discuss with his agent. Okay. They want me to take a pay cut from eight to 4.5. And the player is going to ask his agent right away. What is my street value right now? What is the value that I would get if I were a free agent and I could test the market and, you know, be signed by any team? Now, this is why it's important for players to have a good agent, right? Because that agent's going to have to know that market. And he's going to say, look, man, you can easily get five and a half to six million anywhere else. You know, I'm, I'm sure of it. And the player's got to be confident in his agent. Are you really sure? Yes, I'm sure. Okay, we'll tell the Vikings no, right? In this case, the Vikings but whoever the team is, this is what they all do. Okay, that's fine. You know, I, I I trust my agent. I trust you. We're gonna tell them no. So now you go to the team. You say no. I don't. I'm not gonna take the pay cut to 4.5 unless if you do 5.5, I'm all for that. I'll do that. And then the team at that point is most likely 90% of the time they're gonna cut you. So that would be the third option. And uh, they're going to they're gonna ask you to take a pay cut, but it's not really a quite. It's not like a Oh, you won't? Okay, great. No big deal. Like that's a, we're, you know, hey, we think it's much more fair if you if we pay you 4.5 instead of 8 this year. We need the extra cap space for blah, 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 whatever it is. We just don't want to pay you the 8. We want to pay you 4.5. The player says no, he gets cut right away. So now, as far as the player is concerned, his agent better be right. Because I know one case off the top of my head last year, I believe it was Everson Griffin, who had a, some type of clause in his contract where he, he had the ability to opt out of his deal. And if I remember correctly, off the top of my head, I believe he was set to make $8 million in Minnesota this season or this past season in 2020. And he opted out, elected to become a free agent, test the market. He ends up signing for less 
than that, right? So that means he got bad advice from his agent. His agent told him, hey, bro, I think you deserve 10 million a year. So screw that 8 million. You know, you just had an eight sack season. 10 million is where you, you know, your market value resides. And, and Everson Griffin in that case was like, hey, are you sure? Because I'm going to tell Minnesota, no, you know, I'm going to tell Minnesota that I want out. And that's what happened. And unfortunately, it did not work out well for him. So uh, that was a case of his agent overestimating his market, maybe getting a little bit greedy. And it cost Everson Griffin millions of dollars. You know, unfortunately, hopefully he gets that back this year because I still think he's a fine player and he is a free agent this year. So maybe, just maybe he gets that back. But in all likelihood, we've already seen what teams think of his market. And I don't think he did much to improve that, uh, unfortunately, for him in the 2020 season. So, all right. So then we've got the, you know, we convert, we can either, we can convert salary to signing bonus to create cap space that way. So that's one way that these other teams will, will do that that will create cap space especially there's teams that are 13 teams are over the salary cap as of right now so here's what teams are going to do they're going to cut guys you know they call them salary cap casualties we're going to release some players we're going to restructure the contracts of some players right we're going to convert some salary to signing bonus and create cap space that way or we're going to um, reduce the amount of money we're paying you we're going to say hey you have two options essentially like like the mafia, right? Easy way or the hard way. <laughs> We're gonna say we want to we want to take your salary from eight million down to four point five. If you don't want to do that, then we're gonna release you, and you can go test the market. And now, in some cases, what will happen is they'll release that player, right? The player will go test the market. He's only getting offers of let's say three point five million. He comes back. He says, "Hey, you guys still want to do the four point five? Team says, "Sure, why not?" You know that that will happen. In some cases, the team might say, "No." Now we only want to do 3.5. You know, that's where you have the cases where this could have happened with Everson Griffin last year because I was wondering why the Vikings weren't interested in picking him back up. Maybe they said, if you do this, Everson, we're not going to offer you the $8 million anymore. Like if you if you make us compete. And, you know, maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's why there was, I think, some sour, uh, some sour attitude basically towards each other in that scenario. Maybe that was the case. And maybe Minnesota was like, dude, we're trying to do you a favor. Like, we don't think you're worth $8 million, but we will pay that because we like you. We, we like who you are in our locker room and what you've meant to this organization for X amount of years. Uh, we want you to stay here. So, you know, we and then, you know, Everson goes, comes back, says, hey, will you still give me the $8 million? Maybe they said no. I'm making all that stuff up. I'm speculating at least. Um, so I'm just, I'm just kind of giving you an insight to how these things go. And, uh, yeah, so right now, something interesting to me. <clears throat> the team with the fourth most cap space in the NFL as it currently stands the New England Patriots, okay? They have 62.8, roughly, a little under that, 62.8 million. Guess how much dead money they have this year? 865,000. That is the one of the fewest in the NFL. I see the Colts have only 200,000, but that's almost nothing in terms of dead money, right? So they are really in a really interesting position of a, a place where they can actually rebuild relatively quickly they don't have to you know wait for any dead money to clear the books like let me give you an example dead money leaders right now are the jets at 15.6 million i think a lot of that's from Le'Veon bell the ravens at 11.8 million the panthers at 9.1 million and if you remember the panthers i think last year were like way up there in dead money um so they've obviously had some of that you know kind of clearing the books so to speak the cowboys at 9 million and the rams at 8.5 so those are the teams that over 8 million in dead money 
as it pertains to the 2021 cap. So the Rams, I bet you last season, were another team that was way up there in dead cap. The teams with the fewest dead cap dollars are the Chargers with 58,000, the Colts with 237,000, the Saints with 290, Packers with 350, Lions with 360. Um, so anyways, I'm not going to keep going on here, but there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams with under $500,000 in dead cap money. So that's that's obviously you know where you want to be. And I, I've you guys have heard me many times say that the whole dead cap thing is overrated because what happened is we all started playing Madden, right? <laughs> and uh, when you would have like these, you'd be cutting guys all over the place, right? And then you'd have like your dead cap would be so much, it would it would like cripple your franchise. Well, that that is the you know that can cripple a Madden franchise, but in all reality, you can structure things differently that the Madden franchise, at least when I was playing it didn't give you the options to do. So, um, you know, you can, like, for example, you can do a post-June 1st cut, and that will be, like, separating that dead money out over the life of the deal. Or you can do just where, you know, like the Giants just did it all in one with uh, with Odell Beckham, where it was just like a boom, rip the Band-Aid off, pay for it for a year, and you're done with it. So there's many different ways you can kind of structure that if you're a team, um, and you can do it around how your financial situation is in the coming years. You know, that's the thing is a lot of these teams create cap space by – by just looking at their next three, four, five years of salary cap space, of projected salary cap space, and they just move money around. You know, that's all. And, and the player, they can usually compensate for that by giving him X amount of dollars up front uh, compared to what he would normally or to the salary that he was going to be waiting to get anyway. So just many different ways where teams can do that. But I just want to make you guys aware of exactly how things are basically going to be playing out now. I do want to also discuss the teams that are over the cap, at least the teams that are way over the cap, because this is going to be very, um, you know, tricky for these teams to maneuver, right? The New Orleans Saints, we always see them in many years where you're like, oh my God, the Saints, how did they sign that guy when they had $2 million in cap space? They just signed a guy to a $12 million a year deal or whatever, you know, they just, oh, they just extended Drew Brees, but they only had $5 million in cap space. Well, the problem with that is it's basically you're constantly putting your financial obligations to you know to a later date right and in many cases like i was just saying you just move money around and now your you know your your financial obligations for the future all of a sudden hit you all in the face at once and you're like the new orleans saints who have about 74.5 million dollars over the cap at this particular time right and that's i believe not even on the 90 man rosters that will carry for a few months of the offseason here shortly so i think that's just top 51 but um Obviously, Drew Brees, um, if he retires, that will eliminate a certain portion of that. And he's already done them a favor, if I remember correctly, where he just basically uh, was able to take less of a base salary or whatever to to help them alleviate some cap space, kind of leave them in a better situation than they would be otherwise. But as it currently stands, they are $74 million over the cap. The Eagles are $49 million over the cap. Now, obviously, if they were able to trade Carson Wentz, which you know, I don't think is is working out quite how they had hoped. Uh, if they're able to trade Carson Wentz, that will alleviate a good amount of that cap space. I have to look at his contract to really figure it out. But um, excuse me, I don't think he had a terribly high signing bonus. So I, I think that that makes sense. But or I mean, I think it's not going to be like as or it will be a little bit more beneficial than I originally probably would have suspected. But another thing with the Eagles is 
Like in their situation, they're supposed to love their quarterback that they just paid all this money to, right? And I know they don't for whatever reasons, and, and we can all agree to disagree or whatever about that. But with Carson Wentz, and I'm not a huge Wentz fan, never really have been, but with Carson Wentz, if they were committed to him like they like the like the amount of money they gave him, if they were that committed to him, you would look at that and say, All right, Carson, you know, we're gonna convert your twenty twenty one base salary, 80% of it into signing bonus, spread that over the life of the deal, give you a little bit more guaranteed money. It's You just go to the bank of Carson Wentz at that point because he's the biggest contract on your team, right? So that means you, you take his, his uh, base salary and convert the signing bonus, and that will alleviate a lot of your cap concerns. And most teams, when they have a franchise quarterback on their roster that they're comfortable with, that's the first place they'll go because what safer bet you know could you – could you put on a player than your franchise quarterback, one that you have a ton of confidence in? So I think for Philly, it's really unfortunate that they're almost $50 million over the cap right now and that they're not committed at all. And they might actually trade their franchise quarterback. So they're going to have to look elsewhere. Um, you know, let me look at their uh, their current situation real quick if I can here. Okay, so some guys that... Oh my goodness. Carson Wentz cap number for 2021 is 34.6 million. Um, you know, in his current contract, I'd have to, I'm not going to look into that right now, but I, I would imagine they can probably, if they, if they get him traded, they could probably save about 15 to 20 million off the cap, right? Fletcher Cox. This is a guy that's going to get cut guys. I mean, I don't uh, either cut or restructure. I don't, I'm sorry. Or they're going to ask him to take a pay cut. Because I don't think at his age you want to commit more guaranteed dollars to him. So I think he's a guy that's likely going to be gone. Brandon Graham, another one, could definitely be gone. He's at a $17.9 million cap hit this year. Um, and I believe if they do, look, so there's very small signing bonus money left on the Fletcher Cox and the Brandon Graham deal. So that would not lead to a ton of dead money. Although when I look at Fletcher Cox here, Anyways, I'll get into that later. But the point is, Lane Johnson's another one they might be able to. Ooh, no, he's got a good amount of dead money. So, yeah, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham are two guys that you might even have to post June 1st. Cut them here. But I think Carson, if I had to bet, I would say Carson Wentz, Fletcher Cox, and Brandon Graham will, will be guys that are no longer Philadelphia Eagles or that will be guys, and not Carson Wentz out of these two, but guys that have to take pay cuts, right? I think that's kind of what you'll expect from them, mainly because Philly is is going to be moving in a, a bit of a different direction than what we've seen from them as of late. In, the, in other words, I don't think they believe that their Super Bowl window is right now. I don't think they think they're Super Bowl contenders at this moment in time. Now, they'd love to be wrong about that and be Super Bowl contenders in 2021, but I think they understand that they're going to have to pretty much wait it out on that and build for the future. So some of these guys that are 30 years old and up, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, I believe, you know, those are guys that, that you're just going to have to wave goodbye to, unfortunately. So I think that is what they will do. And um, I'm sure if I keep looking down their roster here, Alshon Jeffries, another one, you know, there's, there are many guys that they could just say goodbye to uh, Deshaun Jackson. Well, he, there's a good amount of, there's a decent amount of dead money on the Deshaun Jackson thing, about 5 million bucks. It looks like if you do a post June 1st, but there are several guys and that's how they'll do it guys. They'll just look at their roster. They'll say, you know, who are we paying that doesn't deserve to be paid like that? And then they'll go to those guys and they'll ask them to take a pay cut because they don't want to cut you. And if they, you know, if the player doesn't want to take a pay cut, then they will 
um, they'll cut them. And if, again, if you have players that are young and, and you love them and you want to commit more to them, then in those cases, in those cases only, will you add, will you take their salary and convert that into signing bonus? Because remember, when you do that, you're essentially adding more guaranteed money to their deal, right? So you don't want to do that too much because then you can't cut anybody when you need to cut somebody and in, 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 uh, get some cap space, right? And your owner is not going to want to just constantly do this with every one of his players you know that's where you have to have the balance of like all right there are going to be good players and you have to have this accepting of the fact that there will be good players that are young that are on our roster that we can't pay and that's why once again drafting isn't always the answer because it's going to set you up like this if you're a great drafter and you just constantly like think about this for the tampa bay buccaneers i'm predicting right now off the top of my head but i, I mean this the buccaneers will come to a point where they've got to pay guys like Antoine Winfield, Carlton Davis, uh, Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy, but like all those guys, right? Now you're Devin White, uh, Vita Vey. Like you're going to come to a point where you've got to pay all these guys because they've done a fantastic job in drafting guys lately. And there will be a rebuild because of it. There will be, you know, and look, if you do the rebuild with a bunch of uh, draft picks, you just sell off everything and get a shitload more draft picks. Well, guess what? it's going to happen again to you. You know, now it's great when you get the production from those guys on rookie contracts, no doubt. That's fantastic. But it's also a matter of time because these guys, if you're getting that production from them, they're all going to want to get paid. You're either going to have to let them walk and then teams are going to say, the fan base are going to say, what the hell? Why don't we re-sign our own guys? And then you're going to, you start to realize like, that's why. It's because whether you pay a guy now or you, or you draft, phenomenally well and have to pay all these guys later at some point or another they've got to get paid and um you know sometimes it's beneficial that's why it's always beneficial to what i had said in that previous podcast a few days ago to have a blend you know you have to have the perfect blend of like we're going to use the 2021 cap space on this and we're going to draft these positions and you know eventually we're going to pay those guys with you know what I mean? So you just have to balance it out like that. And and um, yeah, that's really the best you can do. So when the draft is weak in certain uh, position areas, right? Let's say it's, I don't know about the draft just yet, but let's just say it's weak at wide receiver, which it's not. I think it's really strong there. But if it was weak at cornerback or whatever, you're going to say, let's trade for the blue chip corners. Let's draft the wide receivers because it's deep there and we can probably get good value around later than we might normally have to take that person. Like he might be a second round player that we can get in the third round because it's a strong draft there. And you've really got to foresee it that way and build with balance. So anyways, guys, that's what I've got for you in this episode. Just want to touch on that and give you like a little bit of a heads up on what to expect uh, in the very, very pretty much present slash future in terms of, uh, NFL front officing. So appreciate you for listening and I will talk to you later. Peace.